The following is a presentation of the Boston Podcast Network. Podcasting is a great way for professionals to tell their story. Find out how you can get started at pod617.com. Are you ready? From the Pod 617 Studios in Westwood, Massachusetts, it's the Boston Podcast with David Yaz and a rotating cast of characters from Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. Yes, sir. Thank you, Big Poppy. It is our city. It's our town. It's, uh, well, it's NBA playoffs time for starters, and that's exciting. And the Celtics, as we record this, the Celtics are heading to the second round of the playoffs, having swept the totally pathetic um, Indiana Pacers. Thanks for coming, Pacers. You can go home now. And the Bruins, who I don't care that much about, but they're in the playoffs. But uh, you're listening to the Boston Podcast, so whether you're stuck in traffic somewhere on 93 or maybe headed down the Cape for a barbecue or something like that, it's cool you're listening to the Boston Podcast, which is the city's only independent daily podcast, Monday through Friday. That I know of. That I know of. Disclaimer provided. If you have a daily podcast and you're proud of it, it, let me know. I'll have you on the show. We'll talk about it. I'm not trying to pick a fight here, am I? My guest, Adam Bookbinder, does it sound like I'm trying to pick a fight? I wouldn't say so, no. No. So um, my guest today from Sharon, Massachusetts, shout out Sharon, from a uh, proud graduate of Dartmouth College and Harvard Law School? Yes. Harvard Law School. You know what? That sounded really elitist. You can get the hell out of here, Adam. <laughs> and uh, my my classmate at Milton Academy, one of my good buddies now, a big shot lawyer at the law firm of Holland and Knight. It's Adam Bookbinder, ladies and gentlemen. How was that for a, an intro? It's very impressive. Yes. I made you sound hopefully just as impressive <laughs> as you truly are. So it's always cool to connect with old friends. Adam and I have known each other since, um, God, I mean, we might have been 10 years old, I guess. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah, it goes, it goes a ways back. I, we, we were at each, we, we were there when each of us became men in the eyes of the, the state of Israel and became <laughs> uh, bar mitzvahs. I remember you being at my bar mitzvah. I recently looked back at um, a photo. And um, now the bar mitzvah scene being, and Adam has uh, two sons, and so, you know, um, it's, it's crazy, and these things are big affairs in, in towns that have big Jewish community, even those that don't. I mean, the, they've become out of control. Yeah, it's like, a, it's like a wedding. It is. It's like a wedding. And I looked back at my photo thinking, uh, you know, my son had, between seven, this is not an exaggeration, between 70 and 80 kids at, at his bar mitzvah. I looked at back at mine thinking, yeah, I probably had like 40, 50, something like that. There were like maybe two dozen kids, maybe not yeah, even. Yeah, it was, it was a whole different thing back then. There's no, yeah. no question. Yeah. Do you remember what the typical entertainment was after, um, like now it's the big DJs and everything. But do, do you have a memory of like back in the 80s, what it was like? I don't, I mean, I know uh, at my bar mitzvah, yeah. we had the music teacher, our music teacher <laughs> in junior high and his band played. Not, so, not Mr. Rem- Ford. Mr. Ford. Mr. Yeah, Ford? He's now, uh, I think, with the Sharon Police Department. He's the chief He's yeah. the chief of police. Right. Uh, shout out yep. Mr. Ford. We're, and, Ms., and Mr. Ford, if you're listening, we're trying to get you in the, the studio here. we got to talk <laughs> Beatles because I swear he all he taught told us about what it was the Beatles. It's one of the few classes I remember from junior high school. Yeah. um, And we produce a a podcast on the Beatles here at Pod 617, Back to the Beatles, with Chachi Lopret and David Gallant, and they've been asking for uh, John Ford, the uh, the expert. So Mr. Ford will have you on soon, we promise. And uh, so, but um, on to more serious matters. So 
Adam is a lawyer, former uh, assistant U.S. attorney, working at that. You worked at that the, in the fancy schmancy uh, courthouse, I take it. Right? Moakley Courthouse, yeah. Moakley back, Courthouse. Back when the seaport was uh, a courthouse and a bunch of parking lots all around it, and yeah. uh, Anthony's Pier Four. Yeah. Um, up until recently, when it's uh, become crazy. Yeah. Now it's now it's like every time you go down there, there's a new building, restaurant, it's unbelievable bowling alley or something. And back then, the it was right. You, I think you said Anthony Pierce for the No Name Restaurant. The b- Barking no. Crab was there, the and, barking crab. Uh, and a lot of really cheap parking. Not <laughs> right. anymore. No, not so much. Not so much. Not to mention all the the, um, the you know the law firms and accounting firms and everything else that have offices down in that area. Now. That's right. Crazy. Um, so, in a nutshell, tell uh, cybersecurity is your is your area of practice. But in a nutshell, and you worked in the Cyber Crimes Unit at the the uh, U.S. Attorney's Office. Which sounds really awesome and kind of James Bondish and uh, Jack Ryanish and all that. Tell us, uh, tell us what you do. Tell us what that actually means when it comes to a lawyer doing these things. Sure. Yeah. So, um, you know, as as, so as a prosecutor, you were we were uh, in the office still is going after uh, basically hackers, right? Who you mm-hmm. know who are doing all kinds of things. Uh, ranging from um, you know br- breaking into networks, stealing things, uh, destroying uh, websites, uh, taking intellectual property, taking people's uh, identifying information, things like that. Um, and you're trying to find the bad guys, develop right. the evidence, put them in jail. Um, and that was great. It's a lot of fun, uh, really interesting stuff. When I was doing that, I was working generally with uh, companies or schools or whoever it was who was the victim of right. that kind of crime. Um, and we'd work together um, and to try to figure out what had happened to them, who had done it, how we could try to uh, you know, hold somebody responsible. So now that I've left, I am. Uh, it's kind of a pivot from that, and I am now in many cases representing those victims, mm. um, the, the companies who either have been uh, the victim of something, uh, and maybe, they, maybe they're dealing with law enforcement, maybe they're trying to figure out what happened by hiring a private forensic firm to figure that out. And we deal with all the legal advice around that, legal implications of that, you know, sort of working with them uh, and law enforcement, figuring out what, what you know, what agents need, what can be, what we can do to be helpful. So that's uh, a piece of what I'm doing. And then what I also do, hopefully more of is, uh, although, you know, it, it, it's sometimes hard to make uh, to, to get institutions to realize that the best way to deal with this is as a proactive prevention. Thing. Yeah, Try to figure out in advance how to keep yourself safe, to be prepared if something goes wrong, uh, to know who, who you're calling, what the issues are going to be. And so that's kind of the, um, uh, the landscape that I work in, you know, again, representing companies, schools, uh, you know, other kinds of institutions. Pretty much everyone has these problems these days. The practice of hacking, you know, hacking wasn't even a word when we were growing up, no. of course, because we didn't have the, the internet. But now it is, it is viewed as the new... Um, the new hot area of crime, I guess, and and is it getting any better? I guess that's the question. It, or is it seems to be there's no end in sight. It seems to be that the more no. technology advances, the more opportunity there is for for people to to infiltrate and steal stuff and steal your identity. That's right. Uh, no, I don't think it's getting better. I think that um, you know that certain old. Um, uh, avenues for crime and old problems in this area are becoming maybe a little bit harder for for the bad guys to take advantage of. So they're just moving to new ones. Mm. Um, and as more and more of our lives, our financial dealings, all of that is online, it's on computers, it's electronic, there's more opportunity for people to move crime in that direction. Mm-hmm. So I was just at a 
conference earlier this week, the Boston Bar Association, and one of the things that they were talking about uh, was the, um, uh, the the fact that if you look at, for example, a bank robbery, the average um, take whatever in a bank robbery is something I don't remember what the number is around ten thousand dollars less than that. If you actually physically go in and rob a bank, right. the average. Uh, result, the average gain if you uh, commit a, an email, business email compromise, you get into someone's email account, get them to make a wire transfer to someone thinking that it's a legitimate business wire, for example. Um, it, the average gain from that is $130,000. Yeah. And you can do it all sitting in your apartment in, for example, Nigeria or uh, Eastern Europe or you know California. Poor Nigeria gets blamed for all this stuff. Because uh, the, and that prince of Nigeria, uh, I hope he's all set now because yeah. I keep sending him money and he keeps asking for more. Yeah, it, yeah, that's good. It's definitely, that. that's totally real and your money's coming any day. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, he'll he'll take care of me. He'll get but it, me it is true. Point. I mean, Nigeria is unfortunately a hotbed of, you know, used to be... It's a ridiculous prince emails that no one was going to really fall for. Right. Uh, they have become way, way more sophisticated, and a tremendous amount of, of pretty sophisticated online fraud is coming really? out of there these days. Yep. <laughs> I never would have guessed that totally there was sort of some truth in that. No, wow. it's it's like I said, the emails now are you know it's not the Nigerian prince. Yeah. Um, they are uh, you know they're very sophisticated. They're very um, uh, informed about the companies or, or that they're trying to. Uh, imitate and get people to believe they're an actual officer, for example, of, and they are, uh, you know, they're stealing, uh, you know, it's, it's millions of dollars every week. It's crazy. It's crazy. I used to work in finance and I worked at places including um, Alliance Bernstein, and I was amazed at how often that these scams would happen because usually, you know, our clients would call up and say, I, you know, I need a distribution of $100,000 right. or 200000 whatever it is. And usually the, you know, the, whoever the uh, person was on the other, like, sure, we'll take care of that. We'll send it to your checking account, whatever. And there was a, a double check system that we had in place because they would get these phone calls that they purported to be, we, you thought mm -hmm. they were the real person. There was no reason you, you would think otherwise. Or an email, an email like using a, I guess, some kind of cloaking thing where it looked like it was coming from the usual right. email. And so it's, I guess, a lot of these hackers have the ability to, to kind of stay a step ahead in some cases, right? Yeah, that's exactly what it is. And in some cases, you know, it, in a sort of typical case, it'll be, you know, a, a CFO or something at a company gets an email that uh, looks like it's coming from the CEO of right. the company. Uh, in a lot of cases, it'll have information in it that, you know, would suggest that the per that, that it is the CEO sending it. Sometimes if they're really good, they will actually hack into the CEO's email and they'll hijack an ongoing email thread. Right. And then they will add an email to that saying, hey, we're doing this, you know, super secret transaction. Wow. Uh, it's not public. It's inside information. Don't tell anybody, but you need to wire $300,000 to our lawyers in, you know, Paris. Uh, here's the bank account. Uh, and it may actually come from – the best ones will actually come from the CEO's email account, which a hacker has uh, taken over. Right. Um, and uh, in a lot of cases that aren't quite that sophisticated, it'll come from a spoofed account, but it will look – uh, if exactly you just look like at it, it'll look exactly yeah. like it. Sometimes, you know, maybe they'll change a letter in the domain name, but you wouldn't notice it if you're looking quickly. Uh, and 
uh, you know, and people are in many companies there, the culture of Jesus, if the CEO wants me to do this, uh, that's, yeah, I you know, do I, right I got to do it. I'm not going to, yeah. what am I going to question whether he's really the, yeah, you know, wants right. me to do this and I can understand that. And so these transactions go out and, you know, I think Boston FBI would tell you just in locally in Boston, they get, you know, maybe one call a week really? from a local company. And we're not talking about, you know, th- Two three thousand dollars. We're talking forty thousand, a hundred thousand, three hundred thousand dollars in wires that are going out, um, and the company realizes right away, or several days later, or weeks later, that this was a fraud. It's scary. It's scary. Yeah, and like some of that stuff, you wouldn't give it a second thought. It's supposed to, you see an email with like a chain at the bottom, like yeah. including like your emails. Like, exactly. oh, okay, this is the guy, and I better right. do it now. That's right. Yeah, that is scary. From the Pod 617 Studios in Westwood, Massachusetts, it's Are You Not Entertained? The was I and ent- um, the am I entertained? Can I start that again? Sorry. <laughs> am I entertained? I did it again. <laughs> Dumbass! Are you entertained? Ah! All right, sorry. Sorry. It's Ed Nathanson. I'm here to give you the podcast that I've always wanted to do. That's talking about movies. That's talking about music, sports, pop culture. That's talking to some of the best people in employer branding around the world. Are you not entertained? Can I start that again? Everything I, uh, we needed to know about hacking was revealed in the 1980s film Sneakers starring Robert Redford. Yes. Did you see that it's movie? It's one of the, of course, <laughs> absolutely. What's nope. the word passport that she has him <laughs> say? Yeah, good um, memory. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, yeah. Um, great movie. Yeah, Between Mar- that and War Games, you pretty well got it. it, it they, they covered it all in the 80s and everything yeah. since then. Well, I mean, I am kidding, but but sneakers was if you haven't seen sneakers it's a great like sleeper of a movie robert redford sydney partier ben kingsley dan Aykroyd, david strathairn an ensemble cast uh, <laughs> a young uh rest his soul river phoenix uh so what happened in the movie was he was a security guy paid paid to break into banks which was kind of a funny calling card but what the what it meant was the bank would hire him and sort of not tell anyone and see if he could break into the bank um, and therefore improving their security. He obviously didn't really steal any money. He was he was a, a hired consultant. So at the beginning of the movie has him and his gang literally running into a bank and stealing money and then coming in the next day and, um, you know, then there's one scene where somehow he, he does it on the down low and goes out and poses as someone and withdraws his money and they said why'd you take your money he said "Eh, my money just i just didn't feel like my money was safe here anymore and then he goes upstairs and tells the ceo of the bank why his security sucks but then later in the movie they are paid by some scarlet characters who want him to steal this secret box and you remember this the box yeah the box the box the the box turns out to be this wonder device that can uh, decrypt any uh, you know message captured you know on the internet, and th- this is like right before on the dawn of the internet yes. era. But they they realize with this box they can like you know hack into any bank. They can go into poses air traffic control and crash a plane if they right. wanted to. Yeah. So yeah, go see sneakers. That's all you need to know, <laughs> really. And then and then hire out. You're the Robert Redford of your time. That, now, as far as that's, I'm I often say that people people say that to me. <laughs> yes, you must get mm-hmm. stopped in the street, yeah, mistaken right. for a younger a younger right. uh, Robert Redford. So you can find Adam at uh, hklaw.com. It's hollandandnightlaw.com. If you want to email him, it's adam.bookbinder at hklaw.com. 
I don't, I don't need to spell that. People know how to spell bookbinder, right? Yeah, standard way. Uh, you know, I've never asked you this. I mean, when, when I first met you when I was, you know, nine years old or something, I said, well, that's a funny name, bookbinder. And, you know, my, I remember my parents telling me, well, you know, there are people named Butcher. There are people named Baker. That You know, that that's what you used to be. Right. Have you ever traced the roots so, of your, your name? I think the best, uh, or the best I know about the origin was that it was uh, a translation of something okay. from uh, Eastern Europe. My uh, right. grandparents came from uh, their parents. I guess it was great-grandparents came from over from Russia and Poland, and so was supposedly a translation. Um, it, it either could be one of those names that you know at Ellis Island or whatever they you know they ask you what you did, and if yeah. if they did couldn't understand what your name was, then they would just write down what it was you did. And right. so it's possible that it's that. It's more likely it tr- goes back further than that, and it's right. it's a name that was you know uh, given probably for that reason, but back you know. 150 years ago in Warsaw or something like that. Yes. Um, if you had to bind a book, might there be some innate qualities in you that would allow I, I to would bind think, it better I, than the average person? I think person? every once in a while I feel like this you know, <laughs> sort of natural ability is there um, and I uh, haven't yet taken full advantage of it, but if this whole law thing doesn't work out. <laughs> right. I can see you walking through a library and, and just kind of peering out of the corner of your eye and saying, right. I, oh, I see a book that's not properly yes, bound. I, exactly. I must find it properly. Hi, I'm Nick. I'm here to tell you about an affliction that affects millions of Americans every year. It's growing and there's no end in sight. I'm talking, of course, about podcast envy. Hi, I'm George. I suffered from podcast envy. Sure, I had a podcast, but it wasn't the biggest deal. It was just insignificant compared to other podcasts. I felt so inadequate. Hi, I'm Buck. I felt myself consistently looking at other podcasts. They seem so massive. My friends and I were finally able to conquer podcast envy when I found the Boston Podcast Network. They gave us a new podcast, a mighty powerful one too. They even gave it a name, Shawshanked. We finally had a podcast, one we could hold up high and be proud of. We were now able to whip out our podcast and expose it publicly. Thousands of people received our podcast on the internet on pod 617. Some enjoy our podcast in bits and spurts. Many prefer to swallow it whole. Either way, don't wait any longer. Please act now. End your own podcast envy. Go to pod617.com and take hold of your own podcast. Find our podcast Shawshank. See if you can handle it. Don't be ashamed of your little podcast. Get a big one at pod617.com. Thousands of people received our podcast, spraying it all over their... Oh, Jesus Christ. So as we like to do on the show, we have some fun and we play a game called Good Stuff where you're going to get a couple of recommendations, one from Adam and perhaps one from me, time permitting. And, uh, well, let's do it. Let's, let's do some good stuff. Oh, that's the good stuff. Remember when the B-52s were all the rage? I do. I yes. do. That's college. I know. No, well, it was it was uh, high school as high well, school, I think, wasn't it? High school, it? into college, yeah. Yeah, into college, I guess. Um, so you wanted to tell me about a book that you recently read. Let's do, uh, yeah, let's do the first one you mentioned, Adam. I don't want to reveal it because it's Sure. I'm um, happy book. to do it. So yeah. it's, uh, it's a book called Bad Blood, and it's about uh, Elizabeth Holmes and uh, Theranos, the... Uh, Company uh, she started out in California that uh, purported to have this breakthrough blood testing technology uh, ended up growing as a tremendous fraud, uh, mm-hmm. basically, and uh, 
ultimately uh, and and you know generating billions of dollars in investments into a company that largely wasn't real or didn't have a real product. Um, it's a it's a really interesting story, both of how someone who. Uh, I think initially uh, had only good intentions to develop a real product, uh, believed that she had one and was going to be successful. And uh, and and the, the mythology that got built around that and the power mm -hmm. that she and her, um, her boyfriend at the time who ran the company with her developed and their sort of unwillingness. And, and this we used to see uh, as a prosecutor, I would see this all the time, that people – Go into something, whether it's an investment or a business or some other kind of business, with with legitimate intentions, and then it doesn't. It starts to not work out, and they can't handle the fact that it isn't working. Yeah, they can't handle the possibility of being a failure, so they start to lie. They double down, and They're that's like, exactly yeah, right. It, it is going to work, even yeah. when it's not working. And right, yep. I'm sure it's going to work. I just if I tell this little lie, it'll buy us some more time until right. it does work, and then you tell more and more lies, and then it's clear it's not working, and you you know you at that point you're too deep, and you don't. Want to be a failure? You want to be a success? You like the money? You like the power? Right. Um, and that's what happened here. And then she also then got the support of uh, because she had, she was a great story. This young woman. There aren't a lot of women in the tech field. She was right. a woman that was leading this company. It was great. She's on the cover of magazines, and she got a lot of really powerful supporters. Um, people who uh, then helped her to try to protect this company, including, including um, Schultz, the the former uh, Reagan cabinet member, was yes, it? Yes, um, I think that's yeah. right. Yeah. And um, I, you know, uh, David Boyes from Boyes Schiller oh, yeah. Law was, Firm, yep. and uh, I think uh, Mattis. The, was boys general. boys was like an investor not just the lawyer or he he was, he was I, I i you know he definitely was her lawyer right. and he and uh, some others from his firm were incredibly aggressive in yeah. trying to silence anyone who would uh question or criticize uh the company yeah. um and i i don't know whether he was also an investor but he certainly was a significant player in 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 trying to um make sure that this the critical stories turned out to be true critical stories didn't get out yeah um, i saw so i saw the documentary it right. shows the difference in culture between adam and i took the time <laughs> to read the book i just watched the movie but uh it it's chilling to see her sort of uh downfall her rise and downfall because you're right she talked people powerful powerful people into just throwing boatloads of money yeah money that they'll never see no. uh, money that a lot of it went towards you know i imagine product and development that was ultimately fruitless uh, a lot went to legal fees <laughs> you know for Tremendous sure amount. yeah so um the the question that's still sort of hung in the air for me after watching the movie was was the, the question of her intentions. So do you think that she started with the best intentions? Do you think she still has, because she's, she's still, I don't know precisely what she's doing now, but by the end of like the, the, all the material they covered in the documentary, she, she was still saying it was going to work. Yeah. I mean, uh, I don't have any reason to doubt her initial intentions. Right. And again, like I would just based on my experience, you would see that very commonly that people don't, many white collar, maybe most, People who end up as white collar criminals don't start out as fraudsters, and and even don't start the specific scheme that leads to their downfall, their prosecution, their imprisonment, intending to commit a fraud. Some right. do. There are people who you know start when they're kids or when they're young, and they do one fraud after another. And those people are just out and out fraudsters, and there are plenty of them. But there are a lot of people like her who d who don't have that background, and I think start out wanting to do something legitimate and. Um, 
they are uh, so uh, impressed and happy and sort of fulfilled by the success that comes from that yeah. that they uh, refuse to acknowledge that they could be wrong or uh, when they realize that it's not working, it's not real, their investment isn't panning out, um, they can't accept the, what will be the collateral consequences of failure. Right. And so they, as you said, they double down, but in a, you know, in a now clearly fraudulent way. Yeah. Um, and my guess is that's what happened here. And do I think that she still believes it's going to work? No, but she's now defending herself in a, you know, in a criminal prosecution that, uh, assuming it's successful, and I would expect it will be, will send her to jail for many years. So she's, she can't acknowledge it now unless she decides to plead guilty. I'm told Kate McKinnon will play her in a in a biopic, I guess, about Elizabeth Holmes, and uh, I'm not so sure. <laughs> Kate McKinnon plays everything so sort of big and satirical, so I don't know if it's yeah. going to be like a black comedy or something. I, don't know. I, I know that I, that strikes me as a questionable choice because yeah. I think everything I hear about Elizabeth Holmes is just super serious. And yeah, and you should watch the doc because you get to you get to see um, how. Uh, the you know the the sort of belief in her eyes like she stares people down and she and then the other thing is her voice which I don't know if they talked about they in the do book talk at about all. it a, fair, a lot in the book in, okay and what are they because the the, the, the she, she talks with an unusually low voice and there's a, apparently whispers that she doesn't actually talk that way yeah that's the suggestion in the book too, really? is that it was she developed this and liked it and but that people <laughs> heard her occasionally at other times sounding completely differently. <laughs> um, that you know, and and you know, I guess there's an argument maybe that as a as a woman in what's clearly a man's world, that that uh, she felt at least maybe other people felt that it gave her uh, more more gravitas. Yeah, I, I I mean I don't quibble with that. It, it's just a little uncomfortable to it's to bizarre. watch, considering she might be you know addressing people saying and. And therefore, there we're looking forward to Theranos's projection for the next quarter. Then she closes her door and and picks up her phone and says, "Hi, Domino's. Can I get uh, extra cheese and mushrooms? And will it be here in thirty minutes?" It's kind of uh, like kind of like the guys you hear people talk about on on sports radio with the yes. radio, the radio broadcast voice. Yeah. Right? What are you saying about our? Are you saying something about podcasters, <laughs> no, Adam Bookbinder? Okay. You know, I've always talked like this. Uh, so, <laughs> so, all right. So. Bad blood. Read the book. See the doc as well. I'll give a brief. Um, I'll probably end up talking about this later on a different podcast. But I'm obsessed with this TV show that I will give a shout out to uh, called Killing Eve, which is now it just mm. began its second season. Have you seen it? No, I've no. Seen so for it. it's it's hardly a secret because the first season won some award, won some Emmys, I believe. Yeah, and Sandra Oh, I think won for Best Actress, if I'm not mistaken. So Sandra Oh plays. An investigator, an American investigator, but working with a British um, investigative unit that that tracks serial killers. And this is no spoilers here. This is the whole premise of the whole thing. They they end up tracking this young female. Not so much. Uh, I said serial killers. That might be incorrect because um, this woman is a killer for hire. But she, the woman in question, happens to be very good at it, and she, of course, also happens to be an intriguing character and beautiful and all the things you'd expect out of like a, a TV show. But um, Sandra, the Sandra O character, gets kind of obsessed with this woman, so you get this yin yang thing. And can I tell you, it's just it's it's so good, and so you can't wait to see what happens next. It's now they're through a few seasons of 
of season two, and it's just as good as season one. So Killing Eve, you should you should definitely check it out. It's also a nice, uh, refreshing break from something like Game of Thrones, yes. where I'm constantly trying to figure out which of the three dozen characters that was that the guy from the <laughs> island on the boat, or was that the guy that was wrapped in the chains? And are, the, they, like are, a, are they actually cousins, yeah, or right. are they not cousins? I yes. Yeah. Thank, so you watch that show? I do. Yeah, and it's listen, it's great. I love it. I can't I can't wait to. Uh, to watch the next episode and a couple episodes in here last season, but, but man, I mean, you, I, it, it, I, it is, I, especially if you read, it's easier if you see it, reading about it, right. when they talk about characters, I, I can't, I can't remember, I don't know yeah. who these names are. If I see the faces, I'm more likely to remember them. Yeah. Yeah. Of course I, I saw, um, I recently did a, a crash course recap, which is, I, I should give a shout out to this. It's called, I think it's called crammers. Like the idea being you can cram all this information. <laughs> Someone who does a video on this and he did a real nice job of it. You can YouTube it and I'm sure find it. It was uh, a, just short of an hour recap of seasons one through seven of Game of Thrones. Wow. And the guy does it with a little touch of humor. He'll he'll be like, you know, and um, then, you know, Arya turns and gives this guy a look, gives this guy a look and remember that that becomes important later or, or little, <laughs> little things like that. But he also pointed out like it's like in here the, and this, you know, huge soldier is known as the mountain. Um, don't get used to that because a different actor is going to play him next season. And so, <laughs> and so I didn't realize that there's been. Really? I didn't oh, yeah. That. They've been the the guy at the mountain, you know, the yeah, guy at yeah, the mountain yeah. now. Yeah. If you go back, not only was it a different actor, it was an actor that you might recognize. I seem to recognize him from other action movies or something and for some reason they got rid of him. I'd, huh. I'd sort of like to know why because at least three or four characters changed actors which is really yeah. which is really strange. Um, Alright, so we're up against the clock here but um, we, we should talk about sports and everything because I was just r- reminded that um, you and I, actually you know what this is, we didn't talk about this beforehand but I'm pretty sure you and I were at the Celtics playoff game when Michael Jordan, when, yeah, when Jordan had 60, 63 points. I do remember it. Yeah, sitting behind the basket, right on one end. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. I remember what you said afterwards, like because even though he'd scored sixty three points, for some reason in the flow of the game, maybe because it was it was a Celtics playoff game, we're just rooting for the Celtics. You kind of didn't realize it until the end, and yeah. we, so I remember you said, "Yeah, it was a quiet 63 I, mean, I do remember that; it was unbelievable. <laughs> yeah, um, and the Celtics won, right? Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So in, it, in, you know, in overtime, and yeah. he, um, and that was before Michael Jordan was like the Michael Jordan. It was sort of like a uh, right. coming out party. They they had it, it might have been the Bulls' first playoff appearance 80, in that era, eighty five or eighty six. I don't know, something. Yeah, it time. was um, definitely during the Celtics' glory years, but. So um, that yeah, that's one of the few um, like iconic games. Do you list yeah. that among the most iconic games you've ever attended? Was there another yeah. one? Yeah, I mean, well, uh, I, so I went to some of the Red Sox-Yankees games in 2004. Okay. Um, so game, but, uh, I guess game four and five. The Roberts? So both yeah, the Roberts, both of them. Wow. Back to back. I, I, I actually, I mean, I had tickets for, I had a ticket for game three. I was supposed to go to game three and they got four or something, okay. but three got rained out. Oh, okay, right. Friday night, it got rained out. So what they did is they pushed that. Those tickets became tickets for game five, which was Sunday. Uh, and sa- that game three instead was played Saturday night. They got blown out. It right. was a disaster. And I remember thinking, I don't even want to go, honestly, yeah. to game four. They're down three nothing. I, I'm now going to have to pay for this ticket. Right. If they don't, play, if they, you know, if they lose, and I, I, then I don't have to pay. I want to spend a hundred bucks to go see them getting, you know, swept by the Yankees. And uh, yeah, th- so those two games were um, 
you know, Epic. something I'll, yeah, I yeah, certainly won't forget. Uh, yeah, I was so scared. I didn't, I didn't even watch that game, and I, I lament. I, I feel like I've watched it now because I've seen like replays so many times. Yeah. But I just figured, what good's going to come out of this? No. That we're either going to lose and get swept, or we're going to get one meager victory. What I didn't consider was it could be this, uh, you know, uh, you know, thrill ride that it was with the yeah. Robert Steele and everything. Uh, yeah, that's that's funny. So that's a great decision that you didn't turn it down. My version of that is I had tickets to and went to the what's typically known as the once once during the show adam i always have to get an email alert and then admit that i forgot to turn my email sure, off. sure yeah no, way to go good. dave How, what have you learned dave okay anyway um uh, <clears throat> uh ended up going to what's known as the snow game the, oh, the, yeah. the the last game played in the old stadium in foxborough and i remember i had gone with some buddies to new york like I think it was that, yeah, the night before, Saturday night, we just did kind of a one-night in-and-out steak dinner, and so we're all kind of hung over the next morning, and I get a call that, like, um, I think my parents gave me their tickets for that game, so I've got these tickets, and I asked my buddy, I, who's in the car with me, I go, dude, I got a ticket to the game, you know, uh, Pats, you know, playoff game, last, it'll be the last game in Foxborough this season, and I guess we probably knew last game. Yeah. Ever because yeah they were gonna the new go on the road after that anyway so um, and he said my couch is sounding pretty good yep. right now yep. and so he he didn't and I remind him of that to this day <laughs> that I got to see Vinatieri's field goal yep. so we uh, so with the Celts um, you know those we didn't have much in those days other than the Celts right in the eighties that's right and so we you know the Red Sox always you know had promise and then ultimately sucked and the Patriots varied from. Um, fighting chance to absolutely zero chance, but the Celtics were appointment TV. They we yep. we 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 knew them all like um, from Bird all the way down to like the twelfth man. You know, hello Terry Durod, Eric Fernston. Yeah, right? and like yeah, Greg Kite. And, uh, yeah, you yeah. know, I remember when they had. I remember when they had more Mormon players than African American <laughs> players on the team. Like back in those days. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Dan, uh, Danny, I saw Danny Ainge having um, dinner with. Bruce Hurst at Chi-Chi's in Framingham once, <laughs> and and we were trying to figure out why they were together. Then we realized they're both they both went to BYU, yep, both Mormons. Yeah. So are you uh, now? We've got a Celtics team that um, is looking very strong right now, and you know uh, I love Brad Stevens. It's, it seems like we're on the brink of, of being one of these teams that has a shot at the title of the next you know few years. But are you? Do you love the team as much as you used to? Um. It's tough. I, you know, I got to say, I mean, um, and, and, and I think it's kind of for me, a lot of it's around Kyrie Irving, um, yeah. you know, incredible player. I think, you know, in my view, best offensive player I've seen maybe ever, maybe since Larry Bird on the Celtics. Right. Um, I think, I think more reliable offensive player than Paul Pierce. Um, oh. but, yeah. uh, I know that can be a controversial statement, <laughs> but, um, but, but a bizarre guy and, yeah. uh, and less, you know, more significant than that, and that doesn't really matter, I guess, at the end of the day. But uh, as, as a force on the team and a leader on the team, I'm just not sure. And so I loved the teams with Garnett, um, yeah. you know, because he was just such an incredible team presence, such a, you know, he, he changed the, the guys he played with, uh, made them all so much better. I, I don't know that Kyrie Irving does that. And mm. um, they also had some fun. I mean, part of the fun of rooting for a team is like the fun role players yeah. so like that that the garnett allen pierce team had uh eddie house and posey and a few others yeah. and there's actually a documentary um 
it's I think a locally produced, but about the 2008 Celtics that I, I caught a little of, and I had forgotten that like PJ Brown hit a huge shot in the yeah. playoffs. You remember that? Yes, yeah, yeah. It's against Cleveland. Yeah, um, beating beating LeBron. Yeah, um, I was actually at that game too. Oh, you <laughs> were. Good, All that right, was a, that was another good one. Add that. To I haven't been list, to very Adam. many uh, Celtics playoff games, but a few good ones. Those, yeah, and um, that. That, the funny thing about that, and then I want to get back to your memories and all that, but um, in the doc, it's pointed out that P.J. Brown was unemployed or retired at the time. He had, he had just, you know, I'm done. I'm, I'm well, however old he was, 37, 38. And Paul Pierce bumps into him midseason in New Orleans, like on Bourbon Street, and, <laughs> sa- and says, P.J., what, he's, he, he, as he tells the story, I saw this huge guy. I'm like, who is that guy? Oh, that's P.J. Brown. And he goes over to him and says, hey, P.J., we could use you, you know. We could use you. We could use like a backup center. And he goes, yeah, yeah, Paul, yeah, whatever. And as P.J. Brown tells the story, I thought, you know, it's New Orleans. Uh, Paul had had a few to drink, you know, whatever. Yeah. And then the next day he gets a call, and it's Kevin Garnett. And Garnett's like, yo, P.J., man. He had, Paul was serious, man. We could use you, you know. We got to – and as soon as, sure enough, he gets a call from Ainge or whoever, yeah. and he's, <laughs> he's on the team. It's Isn't that weird? Yeah, it is so really funny. weird. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if this team has the quite that same odd chemistry. Yeah, um, I don't. I, I admit, I'm just. I just can't get. As I mean, I, I I would definitely have watched the Celtics in the playoffs, like the. I mean, every year, but this team, as of yet, I mean, it's you know who knows. Maybe they'll go on a magical run, um, but they've done. I mean, they've done it before, the, and and advanced to the finals when nobody thought they would. I just don't love this team as much as you. So I'm gonna go ahead and admit it. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I have that same thing. The fact that I, I, whatever happened during the regular season, um, if you go through 82 games and don't really put it together, right? Um, I, I don't, you know, the idea that like ah, it doesn't matter. It's a regular season now. Turn it we on. Care. Turn it off. It's the playoffs. Like first of all, people are paying to see you play during the regular season, like yeah. a lot of money. You should you should be playing. And right. also, it matters when you get to the playoffs where your seating is. So I don't, uh, you know, that that that. It makes me not love them as much. I, maybe it's too much talent, and maybe they need you know to to thin it a little bit. It'll be right. very interesting to see what happens in the off season. Uh, I think it's going to depend a lot on what happens in the playoffs. Yeah, and the the thought of yeah, Kyrie. It, it's a lot of people are tired with his act, and you know he came out you know before the season and said I'm definitely coming back, and then midway through the season he's like yeah maybe, maybe not yeah, <laughs> and so that's that's hard to stomach. And could it, yeah, could it be that, I mean, they, they, they did have a few moments last year without Kyrie Irving where they looked great. Uh, I hope Steven sticks around and Ainge won't sit on his laurels, right? I mean, he's, he's, yeah. um, that, that's, um, you know, that's something, you know, we had Red Auerbach and, and then other than that, in terms of management of Boston teams, there wasn't a lot to be proud of. Right. And, you know, the glory years of Boston sports, you know, people talk about, um, you know, Brady and and Garnett and Big Poppy and they deserve all the credit they get. But what really turned it around was uh, you know ownership and ownership. Yeah, yeah. I, I totally agree. Yeah. I mean, you've got you've got three great owners in Boston now. I'm not yeah. sure that the Bruins have great owners, but right. they seem to be successful anyway. But uh, but yeah, the change in ownership in the Patriots and the Red Sox um, made all the difference in the world. The Celtics probably had better ownership at times at least in the past but but uh, now they you know and i think that makes a tremendous difference it does it, it just it changed us it's rescued us from loserville well um and if you want to get in touch with the great adam bookbinder he will talk celtics with you but if you want to talk law with them the guy gets paid to do this and he, he gets uh, paid for the right reasons expert in cyber security at holland and knight 
Um, how, how long have you been over there? A year or so? It's been a little over a year. Yeah. yeah since uh, I left the government and came, uh, came to the- And they treat center. you well over there, right? It's, it's been great. <laughs> I know, so, I, I'm enjoying it. No complaints over at Holland tonight. Uh, look them up, uh, adam.bookbinder at hklaw.com. So predictions for uh, Celtics, do we do we uh, go out against the, the Bucks or do we go all the way to the finals <laughs> and face the evil- Warriors or whoever. I, I, I think I think the odds of beating the Bucks are not great. I think it's possible, but I, I'm I, if I had to guess, I say they lose in six. Unfortunately, you heard it here first. Adam has spoken on the Boston podcast. I hope he's wrong, but you never know. Thanks for joining us, did Jeff. Did you have fun? Uh, absolutely. Thanks uh, for having me. All right, you got it, Adam. The Boston podcast. You can find all past episodes at pod six one seven dot com. If you like this podcast, please share. And share it with a colleague. Share it with a friend. Subscribe to us on iTunes. And if you'd like your own podcast, please check us out, pod617.com. Hit one of those buttons that says contact us. You could be producing your own podcast at the friendly confines right here, the Boston Podcast Network Studios in Westwood, Massachusetts. On behalf of Adam Bookbinder, my name is Dave. I'm just a guy from Boston. But if you're not from Boston, you, you must be the other guy. guy.